Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Come, baby, come, 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 baby, come, baby, come. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week we're talking about my pick, which was Lair of the White Worm from sometime in the late '80s. I want to say '87. 89. I forgot to write it down. Mm, and how educated was this pick, Matt? Uh, not very. I so I own this movie. I've watched it a couple times, and pretty much every time I watched it, it was like, well, that movie's like fucking psychedelic and trippy and weird. Maybe we could do an episode of Horror Movie Night. <laughs> and uh, well, I still stand by it. I just. <laughs> I just think that, uh, as I said to Kyle off camera, man, from paranormal to this is a real hot to cold. <laughs> on, on I don't know what you're talking about. Emotions. It was hot all the way through, baby. <laughs> I watched them back to back um, in reverse order. And uh, so Lair of the White Worm has been on my long list to watch. It um, When it was streaming for free on Prime, it was on there for a long, long, long time. And I, I just didn't get around to it. I was like... I had other stuff that I wanted to do, and then when I saw it come up on Matt's long list, I was like, "Well, he'll he'll get to it, and I won't have to to you know like watch it twice." And so I just never got around to watching it. It was my first watch today. I really like it. It's a really really fun, very absurd film. So um, Ken Russell, yes, co-wrote and directed it. And um, people that are listening would probably know him best for oh god, Altered States, right? Is that yeah. his most famous movie? So See, yeah, I would say here's Alter- what he's most famous for me. That gothic poster that I used oh, to see gothic, all the time. Which I had a VHS copy of that, and I watched it, and I was like, this movie's boring as shit. Looks beautiful, but it is yeah. super boring. Yeah. 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 Which I feel like could be a way to describe a pretty decent chunk of his actual filmography is beautiful, but kind of boring. Yeah. This is, yeah. This is not that, for the no. record, but Kyle, was this your first watch as well? This is my first watch, but I, I really like 
Ken Russell's stuff for the most part. Like Gothic, I, I I agree with. It's like kind of boring, but still really pretty. Altered States is is one Insane. that I fucking love. The Devils is iconic. In oh, its he own did right. the Devils. I yeah, didn't, I didn't look yeah. that far back. That was yeah early early in his career. Right? Yeah, but that's the thing. Like as we're about to talk about Lair of the White Worm here. Like if this is 1989, it feels like a 70s movie though it like it's the it, psychedelia and it's the way that he did all of the trippy psychedelia the layering stuff yeah that yeah like that's a specific called, style really yeah and he does that from often. that time period yeah. like he's he or he's figured out ways to do something similar if not that exact technique something similar often we see it in altered states i think he does one segment in gothic similarly the devils doesn't do that specifically yeah. but the layering just within camera that he does mm-hmm. is very that like it's it's uh, when it goes psychedelic which i actually almost didn't expect it to the way that it started out it was so fucking goofy oh it, it pops in earlier than i thought it would yeah. but i did know that it had this vibe and um i was really pleasantly surprised because i yeah. typically don't like that kind of thing mm-hmm. this movie is just so many inversions of expectations yeah that i just <laughs> I think it's super fun. We're yeah. I, I this movie I remember this movie got me when I watched this was something that I got in the mail from Netflix when I was in college. Uh, and is that your first I watch? Pop, that was my first watch, okay. and this is another one of those movies I've talked about this multiple times, but Fango put out the book of hundred and one horror movies you've probably never seen but should. Mm-hmm. And this was in there and I was working my way through that book and I think I still have like fifteen titles in that book that I have to save, but they're all like super hard out of print movies to find. So it's just Impressive, a matter of waiting though, for. If you got 85 yeah, now, that's, that's really, that's good. really yeah. good. Yeah, that's just, it's just a matter of waiting for like Vinegar Syndrome or somebody <laughs> to find the copyrights to those last 15. I can tell you categorically, it was the moment where she touches the crucifix and we get this fucking insane, yeah. like Jesus getting eaten by a giant snake puppet while like soldiers are attacking nuns and like it's just five out of nowhere like what feels like something that could be found on downton abbey suddenly (laughs) just turns into Mm -hmm. psychedelic chaos in an instant and i was just like i don't know what the fuck this is and then 10 minutes later (laughs) it truly feels almost fucking monty python-esque with this boy (laughs) scout Playing harmonica and oh, this woman man. started to that date. That is my like, second favorite it, part of this movie. That character is hilarious. Lost it. When lost she, it. she, um, the actual line that she says before she, um, uses her fangs to bite his boner is, "My, you are a fine growing boy." I loved her character. <laughs> so she is so over the top. Um, apparently Hugh Grant and the other male lead, who's the archaeologist, Peter Ken Capaldi. Russell, showed them some like weird comedy skits and was like this is how i want you to play it so it was very intentional with the way that because i mean hugh grant is the cheesiest motherfucking cheese Mm. of all time in this i like if you're not lactose intolerant and you watch this movie you're still gonna have gas he's so cheesy (laughs) (laughs) it's great though and and the funniest thing is ken russell was like went on record later on and was like this movie killed uh overseas especially in australia such a great reception the brits hated the shit out of it yeah, he was like how yeah. can you watch this movie and take it seriously it is yeah. the most over the top silly so goofy. it's like a just a black comedy you know yeah. like it I, I think that it was before its time and also the blasphemy i is, was thinking about you when i was watching this because i was like scott is gonna love 
how sacrilegious this movie well, is. At so points. I, I only like when sacrilege is clever and like done in a in a very specific way because I've listened to thousands of death metal songs in my life, and I'll get to why I'm mentioning that. But I've listened to a lot of fucking blasphemous music because. I like the sound, and I also, you know, like sometimes there are some great lyrics, but there's so much blasphemous bullshit out there between death metal, regular metal, you know, heavy metal from the 80s, all the, you know, religious horror movies that are out there. I've seen a lot of bad where it's just like, I don't give a fuck. Like, this is a stupid plot device. In this movie, it's so funny and fun, and I think it has equal parts to do with the acting. Like, the woman who plays... I, I totally missed her. It's Amanda Donahoe, but I never caught what her name in the movie La- is. Lady something or other. Yeah, I don't, the, yeah. Let's just call her Snake Lady. Yeah. Lady Sylvia Marsh. Ah, Lady Sylvia. Thank you. Later on, she's talking to Eve, the virgin, um, about how her false god, talking about Jesus, like, oh, your, your, god, your false god died on a cross. How, how bland. And, and she's just like speaking in such a ridiculous tone. And she says something to the effect of like, poor little virgins masturbating in the dark. <laughs> Jesus leaving his brides wanting. And I'm like, nobody does, nobody blasphemes like the Brits. Like when they no, do it right, it is so... So charming. Yeah. You were talking about Russell kind of get it. Well, you were talking about the critics who took this way too seriously. Yeah. Russell had a direct quote that I really loved where he said, the dour face critics insist on taking this movie seriously. How on earth can you take seriously the vision of Catherine Oxenberg dressed in a Marks and Spencer underwear <laughs> being sacrificed to a fake phallic worm that's over 200 feet long? And, like, fucking exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Also, guys, when Lady Sylvia, like, charms and well, she hypnotizes, which I'll get to that in a second. Um, she she hypnotizes Eve and takes her back to her estate to, to basically do a purity test on her. I was like, guys, I, I think that this white worm might be a reference to some sort of body part. I'm not quite sure. And then she, yeah. like, shoves this, like, dildo out onto her mom's pubis and i'm like oh yep that's i wasn't wrong <laughs> you know yep, like, yep. i wasn't just it wasn't like a subtext it was text and it then, was full text yeah yeah and then full she's frontal like text. literally wearing a strap on as she's about I, I think that she was about to rape eve before sacrificing her to the white worm i don't really know but then I'm the white worm that, moved too soon and she was like oh well the worm's already here sure. i guess yeah, right right yeah. but, i was but, really happy that this doesn't have any legitimate rape in it amanda donahoe is a crazy fucking character um do you guys know that she was adam ant's 14 year old girlfriend no yeah they lived together i forgot that adam ant is a fucking pedophile and i was like uh i was reading the wikipedia because i was like amanda donahoe she's been in other stuff that like she looks a little familiar phenomenal actor but Mm -hmm. um yeah she was his like child girlfriend for four years so he probably oh, wow. dumped her when she turned 18 which is yeah. very problematic uh, i really thought he was a goody two-shoes too Oof, she was in that video dude no yes oh, yeah no. she's I'm, I'm pretty sure that she was in the goody two-shoes video everything that she wears is so amazing it's incredible and i, I don't mean from like the amount of skin she's showing i just mean that it's such like high fashion she's got these amazing she looks like, like little edie from great gardens which i know you love oh <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad She's that wasn't my double coats. feature. If you, if Matt gets my double feature before I do, I'm just gonna go with fucking Greg Gardens, man, because <laughs> this is pure camp. I don't. Um, I don't think you, I picked a really deep fucking cut. Okay, for, good. I, I did one. not. I know that we mentioned this last week at the end of our episode. This was a surprise for me that this was originally based on a Bram Stoker novel. It was his last novel, and um, I believe Ken Russell was talking about how it was. It's too bad that it was his last novel because there are some like pieces of genius in it, but it he just wasn't at his full facility. Yeah, he didn't have all of his, his facilities left. And so Ken Russell and the other guy that wrote it, I, I didn't write down his name, took the pieces that they wanted and really took a lot of liberties. I love the fact that since it was a Bram Stoker novel, they brought in the vampirism, but they made it snake vampirism. Yeah. And I also love the fact that the the original story, which I believe it was based around mesmerism, and mesmerism is the precursor to hypnotism, and they utilize that, which I think is super, super chef's kiss clever, to bring that small piece of the original story into their interpretation, their modernized interpretation of the story here. Just really, really great. But then on the other side, they kind of smashes over the head with the um that dream sequence on the plane with Hugh Grant where his red tipped pen is it goes from 6 to midnight while he's watching a cat fight. I thought that it was going to be like I was like did I just catch that and I was like oh yeah it's it's pretty obvious now. Yeah. Lots yeah, of no. lots of penis in this and wow. no no actual but penises again, but a lot of penis. That's why I literally thought that this was a Clive Barker adaptation originally. We'll, <laughs> what are you trying to we'll say about Clive Barker? After we all talk about our double features in a couple minutes, I'll tell you the my backup double feature that made me think that this was a Clive Barker Is adaptation. Is it the Midnight yeah. Meat Train? We're no. <laughs> all right, so first and foremost, we got to know what Kyle's drinking over there. Oh, oh yeah. I so I listen. I, I'm not. I didn't get a beer that matched this, but it's a it's a seasonal thing. I get at least one every year, and it's because it's a horror themed beer. So while it doesn't connect to Layer of the White Worm, I am drinking Rosemary's Baby. Oh, you can't. This is bad. There we go. There we go. Rosemary's <laughs> Baby. Yeah. Uh, two Rhodes puts out a pumpkin beer. Uh, with a Rosemary's Baby reference, and I never, ever can pass it up, even if it's not really my favorite pumpkin beer. But uh, cheers to snake women and the bites they give. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the right, fuck that was. Wormer, I don't even know her. <laughs> uh, I also have a drink. It's non- non-alcoholic. I thought in honor of Eve not having lost her virginity, I was going to have some cherry <laughs> <Yeah>. Coke. <laughs> of course. And it's and virgin. I it's a virgin my- drink. Guys, I love it. And I finished my water because I'm a virgin. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we didn't talk about the uh, about flogging Molly's song at the beginning here. Oh my god! I literally the fucking tossers, <laughs> baby. <laughs> fucking Molly question mark. I did not expect you to make that same fucking joke, but I'm so happy you did. <laughs> I had to hold oh, the paper fucking, up to prove it. <laughs> I had to look up who that band was. Uh, it's a band called the Tossers, which I did know one song from which was exciting to me you're saying it wrong it's the tossers oh oh the tossers <laughs> oh well we just lost all of our irish listeners Thank yeah you so sorry much. guys um, um i don't think it's irish i think it's orkney which is like just like the the west virginia of the british isles no let's just say we lost all of europe really yeah. <laughs> and appalachia now because you just said fucking yeah Damn, <laughs> Damn man weird 
And last week we made fun of uh, the the people that were critical of Paranorman's uh, gay brother. And man, we are just the readers it, of the national never, not having listeners online. afterwards. Yeah, we just losing everybody. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Nine Two One Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to Nine One Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out weknowpodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, weknowpodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Matt, do you want to give us your heavily excavated double feature? So I don't even really like this movie that much, but (laughs) there is a movie... That is from the 70s that feels like it was shot on the same film stock as Lair of the White Worm, <laughs> creatively just titled <laughs> about, Oh, man, uh, that movie sucks. It yeah, sucks. About, <laughs> about a guy being turned into a snake. Yeah, I mean, they, White they, Worm, did they, Snake. Did they remake that and that's the one that I saw? Nope. <laughs> he probably saw the bad one from the 70s. Green Factory released a Blu-ray of it maybe three or four mm. years ago. And okay. usually when they release a Blu-ray, it finds its way onto some streaming sites again yeah. so uh, they can drum up those sales. That's mine. I'll, I'll save the other one for after you two go if neither one of you say it. Well, I'm going to pop in before Kyle because I know Kyle hasn't seen this one because we're going to do a re-rental mm-hmm. of it. Curse 2, The Bite. Another uh, amazing snake vampire movie kind of fuck yeah kyle have you seen really it's like you have not right it's like a snake werewolf movie more than yeah it actually (laughs) is a snake werewolf we got the snake vampires in lair the white worm and then we get snake vamp or snake werewolves in uh curse to the bite which has no bearing upon curse or curse three i will still probably want if i like it enough i'll still visit kyle your double feature oh uh stanley it's just another snake movie. Stanley? It's really Does not it have even... a lot of S's at the beginning of it, too? No, no. And it's really not even a vampiric snake movie. It's just about a guy who has a snake that he sicks on people as revenge. Though my other one was going to be a movie called Fangs, which I believe Brian has shared with us. And it is just hick, like, stupidity movie about a woman who loves a snake. Um, <laughs> which I hope I didn't just... I, I hope that wasn't the one, Matt, that I just... I don't know. No, no, no. So okay. the movie that I kept thinking about 
which made me think that this was a Clive Barker movie was that I kept thinking about Rawhead Rex while I was watching this. <laughs> oh, which, dude. Man, if we could double feature... Well, what I want is if we're getting this remake of Hellraiser that's being spearheaded, uh, rawheaded by um, by <laughs> Clive Barker, we need a Clive Barker rawhead Rex where he gets to do the seven the penis foot monster? dick. Yeah. yeah. Wait, have you re- have you which books of blood is that? Have you read it yet? It's in, it's in my collection. I yeah. haven't gotten to it. It's near the end. Oh, I think it might man. have been volume three okay. at that point. I mean, because I'm pretty sure I'm into volume two's general vicinity but yeah rawhead rex i've read the comic (laughs) and watched the movie multiple times yeah but yeah rawhead rex is a great double feature for this honestly that's a really good the thing is that it also seems like it could be the next town over yeah yeah Yeah, that's what i mean that's a fucking cult that's why i legitimately was like this has to be clive like all i could remember Mm -hmm. was that it was adapted by a famous author's book and it just everything about it screamed Clive to me. Man, I'm stealing. I'm wrong. stealing yours. Fuck my snake Go, movies. Take it. I'm stealing. I'm things. stealing your second. I'm stealing your you alternate. You can have it. <laughs> All right. Lots of penis monsters this weekend. Love it. <laughs> We're talking a lot about dicks, which makes my. Uh, what did I watch this week? What Extra is your? Uh, what did you watch for this week? So uh, there's a show on Disney Plus that I've really been championing for a little is bit. It about and dicks? I, uh, no, it's the <laughs> fact that I'm going from all this dick talk to something so wholesome and family friendly, which is uh, the the third season of High School Musical. The musical, the series is finished, and uh, it was really good. <laughs> Man, I don't even want to watch the show because the title makes my expectations of hilarity so much higher than they could ever possibly. It is a fun, self-aware show. I mean, it's where Olivia Rodrigo got her start, mm-hmm. was like writing songs for that and, and starring in it. The first season is about a group of kids who go to the high school where High School Musical was shot. They get a new drama club teacher who's like, how the hell have you never done High School Musical as the school musical when you go to the school where the movie was shot? So they do High School Musical as the musical, and it's all like office parks and recreation style so it's like a mm-hmm. documentary about them making this um season two is just okay it's just literally them doing the next show which they did bell uh they did beauty and the beast and then this season three because they had this giant like 15 actor cast at this point they split it up into like two separate seasons that we're going to get so this season is following six of the kids from the high school who go to a summer camp together like a summer musical camp to do Frozen. Um, And then I guess in a couple months, we'll get the second part. That's like what the other characters were doing during that summer, which is a cool way to like split up the cast and not overwork everybody. I think it's a really important show in all, in all seriousness um, because it tackles so much gender identity stuff. Mm -hmm. It tackles so much race stuff. Like they really try to do a good job of making a show about Gen Z and about the stuff that Gen Zers really give a shit about. Like half the cast is bisexual or non-binary or like, like covering those topics in a very sincere, supportive way, which works specifically in this show because like, of course it's the drama kids. Like those were always the kids that, that were so open and, uh, and ahead of the curve on all of that stuff. I don't, I don't want to speak for. I don't. I don't want to. You know, put myself on blast. But I was a theater kid. <laughs> so you know, I talk a lot about Vinegar Syndrome on here, and no. they have, <laughs> they have a series of pornographic films, like a porn porn series called Picarama. I've never. Is it I've actual never porn s- or is it just like NC seventeen? Like, no, no. Well, core? like 
old like X-rated like Forty Second Street like okay. pornographic films. Yeah, they'll put out like Debbie Does Dallas or like Let My Puppets Come or it's usually just not a regular porn. It is like a noteworthy kind of out there grindhousey porn. Which I don't want to say was a. It's not a blind spot as if, like, I need to fill this blind spot. I need to fill the hole, so to speak. Um, <laughs> but it's, it was one of those things Your where white I realized... white worm is, is right, just... It's filling the hole. Yeah. White worm just won't satisfy. I need to fill it with corruption. <laughs> and that was the movie I watched. I watched a movie called Corruption. Uh, and I don't know. It, all of this to say, the film doesn't matter. Um, because it wasn't, like... It was it was interesting in the fact that they, they really try to put some sort of story to... Uh, a pornographic film right mm-hmm. or like or one or the other or they like feel like they need to build the story it was very surreal and like i don't quite understand there's a character who looks like elliot gould who has to oh like my god yeah which was fucking weird <laughs> big time weird um who like is dealing with like three mystery doors and each mystery door has a further level of like corruption or you know whatever in his like kink yeah well not even kink but like like sex with somebody who we shouldn't be having sex with there is a kink one and then there's like no sex but just watch there's like voyeurist one you know it's like oh it's like levels Mm -hmm. of i guess they are kinks but it's not like i wouldn't say it's a kinky film it's more of well maybe for the time it was right when was it made 70s I, early 80s maybe okay. and I was trying to find it beforehand but I actually get it confused I, I, the whole reason I got it because I thought it was a Peter Cushing film Corruption which was a <laughs> grindhouse horror film and then but I got but there is this some one. Peter Cushing in it there's a lot of cushion for the pushing um, <laughs> there's not they're all, skinny. they're all skinny as fuck everybody is a twig because it's it heroin chic right uh, yeah big time but I just Carly and I watched it and in not in and it wasn't necessarily for any reason more than to be like, we've never sat and watched a pornographic film that was like of that time or even of that like genre, you mm-hmm. know, like it was just, it was just a fascinating sort of like dipping our toes into like a whole realm that we had no knowledge of. Not only was it like, you know, it was funny at parts. It was arousing at parts. It was fucking weird at parts. Like, it was It was just... I highly recommend picking up at least one title from that series if vintage erotica or porn or whatever is, like, something you don't know anything about. I, it's just I can a, tell you categorically, I do not know anything about this. Bruh, <laughs> I've never seen a porn in my entire life. <laughs> no, uh, not that no, kind. I've seen a lot no. of stuff from about 1997 to right. 2017. Right. That's the sweet spot for me, guys. Right. Like, and that's sort of the thing. It was like, I've only been, ex- I've only been exposed <laughs> to inter- internet porn in which mm-hmm. you can find these things, but it's never been something I've like sought out. But are and- you really going to watch an hour and a- an hour and 20 minutes or whatever of, of vintage porn? If you're like cruising for porn on the internet, no, you're not. No, no, it's, it's in and out. It's like, and that was the other thing is like, we're sitting there watching tops. a story unfold just yeah. with. 10 to 15 segment minute segments of, of porn. That time is so fucking weird. It almost felt like Lynchian at times. Like it was, I can see that it was mm-hmm. fucking crazy. And so it of course, fucking, comma 
crazy. Crazy. It was fucking kind of crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, in vinegar syndrome, I trust. So like, um, <laughs> there's, there's a, you know, I don't know if I'm going to continue in this realm by any means, but it was really, it was just really interesting. It was like something out of my comfort zone. Um, again, not even in a kink way, just like it was just in a cinephile way. I have no yeah. idea about this period in history that was so prominent. Like mm-hmm. they were, cra- they were, Kids cranking, cranking, out <laughs> cranking them out. They're cranking them out, baby. But anyway, I don't need to talk about corruption anymore. The dude looks like Elliot Gould. Don't fucking watch it. It was just what I watched. Well, it's it's <laughs> very interesting the the way that you pretty much set me up for my double feature or my what did I watch this week? Um, I got a chance to watch Pearl. Oh, and shit. so for the uninitiated, Pearl is the prequel to X um, by Ty West, and it was co-written by Ty West and Mia Goth, who's the main character, Pearl. She also plays the elderly Pearl and Maxine, uh, the young one in um, X, and they're going to do a sequel to X. So they're doing a trilogy. Um, the sequel to X is called Maxine with three X's, and I assume that's coming out before the end of the year because I think that's their whole thing is that all three of them are coming out in 2022. I had low expectations beyond the Technicolor. It was a fine ride. I have low expectations for Ty West movies because nothing is ever going to touch House of the Devil, and mm. I was burnt real fucking bad by the innkeepers. Um, I loved it i thought pearl was miles better than x i liked x because x looks like that 70s grindhousey exploitation sex movie the with the gels and the cuts and the the presentation is very much in line and then this movie is so much a um it's like twisted um wizard of oz yeah really i mean like there are so many beats that are so like and 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 scenes that were blocked to to look exactly like Wizard of Oz, like famous Wizard of Oz scenes, and evoke that that concept. I didn't really feel the horror in it. It was more of like a, it was more like a drama for mm-hmm. a big chunk of it. And I I was expecting that going into it because I knew that it was Pearl's like origin story, right? But it was v- Mia Goth is so good in it. She's much better in it than she was in X. Um, she really is cementing herself as someone that will put my butt in a seat next time she's in a movie. Um, I didn't even know who she was before X, um, but I, I really loved Pearl. And the last 15 minutes is true horror. It's like psychological horror, but it's really well written. It's incredibly paced for it being a fucking monologue. I can't recommend it enough. It looks beautiful. Beautiful. It's definitely not something that I would expect myself on paper to enjoy as much as I did. And I'm not saying it's the best horror movie of the year, but it's really fucking good. And I'm really excited to see Maxine because it's going to be the 80s view. And Ty West, like, you know, I was watching it and I was thinking, like, I feel bad for Ty West because after House of the Devil, I bet he felt like he was kind of shoehorned into this concept of making an era-appropriate film whenever he did something that wasn't a modern film. And I think that he has come back around and realized he's, like, in his power when he does that because, like, he's so good at it. That's really his greatest skill. Yeah, It's it's, It's truly unearthly how good he is at recreating 
things either by the the pacing by the 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 cinematography or by like the physical like um mm-hmm. the the mechanisms with which he's shooting scenes it has yeah. to be the 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 camera work as well i don't even know what it is but it's when well, he edited a lot he edited a lot if not a lot at least house of the devil and then beyond i'm sure he's edited a lot so he knows the mm-hmm. pacing in each essential category of making that shit which all the people that we talk about do that i mean we talked toby hooper and i know he didn't edit but like he like you're talking about Types but he created a he that, created, kind of yeah. that late seventies aesthetic with absolutely with Carpenter is another like all the greats have their hands and knowledge and like hands they have their craft spread out throughout the whole thing. Ty West is one but of I also those. think that there's there's an argument to be put in point. there too, and this is this is coming from ironically a guy who chose to not go to film school even though he wanted to make <laughs> movies at one point in his life, but I took a lot of film classes in college because. Yeah. The good thing that comes from doing film classes or doing film school is that we as people naturally decide very young, honestly, what the genres are of movies that we like and Mm -hmm. force ourselves to stick within that category. And film school forces you to watch dramas and these black and white mm-hmm. movies and yeah. all these different types of things to the point that like, and, yeah. yeah, like I've talked about this before that I don't love the fact that because I took film classes, I watched something like birth of a nation or triumph of the will or any mm-hmm. of those things. But it is also really good that I, like I feel good that I, I have that reference point in my head. I have that understanding yeah. of, especially something like triumph of the will because you watch a movie like that, you can see the methods of manipulation in everything that you're mm-hmm. exposed from, from that point. Because it is such a pure example that maybe in 1941 when it was released isn't even nearly as clear as it is after the war when you're watching it and saying, oh my God, they just hid so much in this to make this such a rah rah patriotic sentiment and those are movies that under any other circumstance i would never watch right because it was like hey you have to watch like this is part of learning about cinematography this is part about learning about the art of filmmaking and i think that what also comes from that is that you discover these errors of films that maybe you didn't watch so like knowing that ty west was a film school student i am sure that he was exposed to all of these different types of 70s movies and went Okay. Okay. Why aren't we making films that look like this? We followed that like, trail. Like, like you can, because yeah, you like, can stop. You can stop at that point. Like you could yeah. stop at what they had showed you in school and not continue down that path. But it's like I've, I, you're not the only one that I've heard Scott reference Wizard of Oz, but certainly he's talking about a even a larger and broader age of Hollywood that he references, even my, like even minutely. You know, yeah. like you're talking about an insane connection in comparison to a time that does not exist anymore. Well, oh, yeah. it, it's also that line of and and don't get me wrong. I do really like Stranger Things, but like you have something like Stranger Things where anybody can just make a movie or a show that takes place in the 80s and make it feel 80s with the proper soundtrack or whatever. Right. Yeah. It takes a totally different person to make something like The Lighthouse 
that straight up feels like a film from the year that it was released, mm-hmm. like like or the year that it takes place in. Takes and I think that that is that is the gift that Ty West has that does put him a step above a lot of the other people. There are plenty of people who are making movies that are based oh, yeah. in the '70s and the '80s. He makes movies that feel like they are from the 70s yeah <laughs> like, totally totally t- totally a great point it does make me very excited for maxine because like yeah what he's going to do with that 80s aesthetic is oh oh i can't wait yeah. i can't oh, wait yeah I, can i just say one thing that uh, upset me quick um Go ahead. my local theater decided to shut its doors f- until december and listen i live i live in a middle class upper to middle class shoreline connecticut town that has a five uh, five screen independent theater, but they also know their audience. So part of me understands why they would do this. They understand that they've no longer have a summer crowd and that mm-hmm. people like to go see movies during Christmas time. Mm-hmm. But here's what they said. The cinema has taken a pause in operations. We will reopen in mid-December when we feel more quality content is available. We look forward to welcoming you back to the cinema this winter. And when they say more quality content, it, puts the blame on creators and filmmakers that are and i understand that they have i mean they've been around for as long as i've been around if not longer they've been around for 30 plus years and the cinema knows its audience again but i took a picture of the posters that were hanging in there as coming attractions and we're talking about smile which would put butts in seats Though it's not maybe not be a good movie, but it, you have a whole town of kids. The uh, Woman sure. King, which I understand, but it's also Viola Davis, and old folk are gonna love going to see strong black characters because they don't know any. But better. it's hyper violent. I don't it's, think it. I, and but I, I my 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 point is that they know their audience, but they also could try something maybe a little fucking different. So that is, I think that that's a travesty. I'm not going to disagree with that. I will say, I as someone who pays way too much money to have an all access pass to both Regal and AMC, mm-hmm. I have not really been able to even try to get my money's worth mm. out of it. And I don't blame it on the filmmakers. I blame it on the studios that are now like only really releasing like one or two big movies a month. Yeah, when it used to be like. Per week, you were getting two oh, yeah. or three big movies yeah. that were dropping. It's looking like right when we hit kind of late October into November, it's about to amp up. But that was the first time where I looked at a block of movies coming out in like a two-month period and said, ooh, those, a lot of those feel like I need to be in a theater for. Especially sure. like the Marvel movies t- typically feel like if I'm not sitting in the theater watching them because of the length of the movie, I am way more inclined to get up and move around. <laughs> during, oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the reason why the I don't like – that's why I waited, and that's why I haven't said anything about it because it's it's old news now. But, like, I waited until Thor Love and Thunder hit D+, plus because yeah. Yeah. I was not going to sit through a two-hour – I don't think I'm – I really don't think I have any desire to, to sit through – a, uh, a two-hour Marvel movie, two-hour-plus mm-hmm. Marvel movie ever again. It also doesn't help that Phase 4 kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> You're like not wrong. Four. The funniest yeah, thing like, about Phase yeah. 4 is that the TV shows are more entertaining than the movies so far. Multiverses, time travel, all of that stuff is really fucking hard to make compelling over it's and boring. over and over it's and over so again. It's so boring. Like, I mean, <laughs> Kang was like... I understand why they picked Kang as the big bad after Thanos, but like, I don't 
I don't give a fuck. We're going to get to Fantastic Four soon, and that yeah. I'm actually legitimately excited for. Yeah, so all like, the all right, other ones just... have been really good, so. Yeah, let's yeah. get the... <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Like, I'm ready I'm ready to actually Can like the Fantastic Four movie. Can we get Chris Evans back movie. as yeah. Human Torch <laughs> in the same it's in fine, the MCU? Right? Look, um, I'm sick of The Incredibles being the only good Fantastic Four movie that was ever made, so like we need to get there. <laughs> I'm going to have to buy a theater. You know that movie we bought a zoo? Uh, Kyle buys his theater. Is what, <laughs> I don't know how or... Like, I feel like that's some, kind of like one of the three branches of the possibilities of your life. Yeah, you dude. know, like it was it, either it filmmaker, really video interacts. store, or theater. <laughs> well, the video store is kind of off the table right now. <laughs> I feel like time and time again, if you have the passion for it and know how to get that passion to other people who are passionate, yeah, like you can do it. And I think Mahone and Drive In is a brilliant example of like a drive-in movie theater that had almost closed multiple times and every single time that there was even a hint that like, hey, we might be losing the contract on the land. We might be losing this, that, or the other thing. Mm -hmm. Like the people who loved what they were doing banded together and was like, fucking no, we want... The drive-in movie theaters are already dying. Like don't take away this one that is like the oldest... Yeah, yeah, the one that's doing it right. Like... So uh, yeah. we got really off Lair of the White Worm, which is kind of fine. But uh, yeah. that was Lair of the White Worm <laughs> which, from 1989. We'll be back next week with even more horror movie night fun. <laughs> Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Ninety-one Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 